in the context of the discussion, what does it mean to be human in a global age of technology? It's also about our humanity. When it comes to those language programs, as humans, we want to express ourselves. And somebody says, but are we going to stop writing poetry? And I don't think we're going to stop writing poetry. We're not going to stop that. But I think we are just adding to some things. We want to express ourselves. We want to elaborate with language, with art and those kinds of things. As voices do professor. As voices Teachers' voices. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Teachers' Voices, the podcast made from stories of teachers from around the world talking in their own words. I'm your host, Linda Alonso, and today we will continue with conversations about artificial intelligence in education. I'm recording this episode from Inyamani, from Ginjata Bay in Mozambique. And although I miss Indy, my dog, who is always with me when I record, I cannot complain about the natural environment and fauna that surrounds me today. I actually saw a whale earlier. But I will tell you all about this great community and its relation to education and care for the ocean on an episode about ocean literacy that will come soon. But for now, let's have a recap. In the last episode, Stefania Druga explained what digital literacy is and why it is important. She told us about experiential learning strategies that can help teachers and learners understand how large language models work, which helps in thinking critically about AI in the classroom. In today's episode, I speak to Inge Molenar, director of the National Education Lab AI in the Netherlands, NOLAI for short. Inge is a professor in behavioral science who specializes in the interface between education and technology. Inge tells me how artificial intelligence can personalize teaching, not just to increase knowledge in students, but also to develop their self-regulation and motivation. Teachers from Spain, Pakistan, and Sweden also shared their thoughts about using AI to support their lesson planning and their students' work. Cecilia is using robotics to support teaching in different subjects with primary school children. Serkesh a science teacher working with secondary school students in Pakistan uses tools like ChatGPT with her students. Finally, Yvette from Sweden is starting important conversations about the use of AI tools with her middle school learners. Let's start today's journey in the Netherlands. I first meet Inge, who welcomes me in the National Education Lab AI Center. Yeah, so the most well-known form of using artificial intelligence in the classroom is by using some kind of personalized learning. And that means that the technology is being used to adjust the learning materials and the instruction and the feedback to the needs of individual students. And we do this, for instance, in intelligent tutoring systems or adaptive learning systems. So these are systems that students work with in the classroom to learn math, to learn grammar, and adjust to what an individual child needs. Intelligent tutoring systems are systems that really envision one student working behind a computer and providing direct and immediate feedback to the learning process. Most of the time, these systems are used for math and for science learning. What they look like is students answering questions and listening to instructions in this learning environment. 
And then once they are working on solving math problems, they receive immediate feedback. So there are really different levels of adaptivity at the step, at the task, and at the curriculum level that can be integrated in these systems. In Series 2, I interviewed Nate Maddick from the platform Brilliant.org in an episode about mathematics teachings, methods, and tools. Inge adds an interesting layer to thinking about personalized uses of AI. She comments of other uses or applications of artificial intelligence. Of course, it's integrated in games. Virtual reality and augmented reality are important examples in which artificial intelligence can be integrated. And then, of course, the most well-known example, I guess, is robots. For more on robots, I encourage you to listen to Gordon Gordon talking about using social robots in the classroom to develop curiosity and creativity in our episode about 21st century skills in season one of Teacher's Voices. Inge researches AI that develops skills rather than just building knowledge. But first, let's pay a short visit to Cecilia, a teacher in Spain. She tells us about her use of AI, virtual reality and robotics with primary school children. Every Wednesday, I have a, group, a little group of eight children. And with this group, I make activities with ready with robotics and programming. I try always that it's funny activity. So they are so excited to come to the class. I say robotics and there are a lot of people that don't know what is that. Okay, I teach programming, 3D design, 3D printing, virtual reality, augmented reality. In primary, uh, it's not robotics at its sound. We mix robotics with other areas of education. For example, math and robotics, music and robotics. So all projects are related with the content of the area. For example, Maybe they are learning the musical notes. I usually do small projects that they can do in one class and they can do individually. But at the end of the period, I make groups of three students or four students. So they have to collaborate between them to make the final product. For example, they have to build, they have to design first thesis for the body. It can be a hand an elbow, a knee, whatever they want, they can choose. And they have to design it with 3D design. The aim of the project is to print it with the 3D printer. So I think it is fascinating how Cecilia helps her students use AI-supported tools to design and print 3D objects that improve people's lives. Whether you realize it or not, many of you have used AI to model students' knowledge development. This is because during the COVID pandemic, AI learning systems and tools were used in areas of the world where online tuition was possible. Yeah, so what you see in the mainstream systems, both intelligent and adaptive learning systems, is that they mostly focus on children's knowledge development and try to optimize their learning outcomes. So really optimize them to learn math quickly or grammar or vocabulary, whatever the topic of the, of the learning environment is. After the AI chatbot ChatGBT was launched, teachers around the world have experimented with it, guiding students to develop their knowledge, but also looking for help with their own teaching plans. To find out more about what teachers are doing 
Let's travel to two very different contexts, Pakistan and Sweden. We first land in Lahore, the second most populous city in Pakistan. Sarkesh welcomes me, describing her teaching environment. The setting where my school is, it's an urban setting. We have two buildings in the school. One is for used for early years where the classes from leg rope till grade uh, three are there. And then the other building where I am, it's for grade four till grade 11 students. I'm taking grade seven and grade eight and I'm teaching science. Then we have a football basketball court. We have a football ground and we have a cricket pitch where the students are trained. Uh, nowadays we have these uh, cricket matches going on, the trials are there, the students are coming early in the morning to uh, participate in those selection rounds. As a mother of young children and a busy teacher, Sarkesh is always looking for ways to be an efficient teacher and she is interested in understanding AI models and using AI tools to optimize her teaching work. For my lessons, since I need to plan a lot of activities, I am at times relying on it when I don't have time enough to plan my lessons or design the questions or I'm not able to think of the ways to design the questions or what type of questions to write for a particular topic. I just use the AI to give me ideas and uh, I use them. So it has helped me in many ways as a teacher. My students are using it to research for projects and I am guiding them to go and type a particular topic and then share their content, not copy paste, but they can use the ideas given to them by the AI and then translate it into their own words or based on their own understanding, which helps them to get the basic idea from there and then enhance it based on their own understanding and knowledge. And since I'm studying right now, I use ChatGPT to get the ideas of particular books, like if I want to get the main idea, what a particular book is about. And it's a long book and I don't have time to study. So what I do is I just ask it get that I want uh, the summary of the book. So it gives me the details of what the book is all about. Sarkesh reflects on how her students use AI tools for their class assignments and homework. When I talk about my students, it becomes a little difficult when we give them a task. I ask them to answer some questions related to heart or maybe lungs or how we breathe. So what they do is some of the times the students, they instead of using the notes that were given in the class or the notebooks, content or the the reference book instead of using that they just go to the chat gpt they type the question and they get the answers and it becomes a little difficult to be able to stop them they try their best to hide it from me and use the chat gpt for this purpose it has happened and it is normal that if i am teaching a particular vocabulary to them the chat gpt won't know and it will give them the answer from using higher level of vocabulary so it is easier for me to identify but at the same time if i have to give them some research instead of telling them to go through some links or google them i just tell them to go use chat gpt or an ai just type in the word and you will get the main content just use it to rephrase it 
or write it in your own understanding as you understand it so it is somewhat easier as a teacher to guide the students using the chat gpt or an ai it becomes a uh, a little challenging when they start uh, relying on the ai to find answers to the questions that are given in the classroom i would say it is convenient as well as it is uh, challenging as well in the environment that we have here the research that inge is developing in nolai responds to the challenges that sarkesh and other teachers face so right now there's a lot of discussion about using generative ai in classrooms And also there, you can really carefully think about the different levels at which you can use it. So it's a totally different thing when students are using it by themselves to generate homework, which would be in direct relationship between the AI and the students. And of course, people are worried about that. But then if teachers use it to generate lesson plans or update lesson plans that they already used before, and they control them carefully afterwards and reuse that in the classroom, There are many different levels. There is the full automation where students are completely working with the AI themselves and these teachers using this as a tool to update their learning processes. And there are many different ways of using these new models. So thinking about these different use cases and plotting down on the different levels of control really helps you to think about what we find acceptable, what do we feel comfortable with, and what does that mean for students learning and teachers teaching. Inga's research also explores how AI might help students self-regulate their own learning processes and monitor their motivation while learning. Yeah, so what you see in the mainstream systems, both intelligent and adaptive learning systems, is that they mostly focus on children's knowledge development and try to optimize their learning outcomes. So really optimize them to learn math quickly or grammar or vocabulary, whatever the topic of the learning environment is. This is a topic that we're quite well advanced in. So we have many ways of modeling students' knowledge development in a quite accurate way over time. And that is what is used in these systems. Now, if we think about students' motivation and students' self-regulation, these are also very important aspects for students to work on while they are learning. But we don't really have very good and advanced models yet to understand how the self-regulated learning of children is taking form over time. So in these systems, we don't see personalization towards the motivation or the self-regulation of learners. And this is something that we're trying to address in my research to make sure that we're also not only steering students to learn the learning content as quickly as possible, but also helping them to develop these important self-regulatory skills to control and monitor your own learning, because that is a skill that they will need throughout their lives. And we do that by showing them how their learning trajectories actually develop over time. So really giving them a mirror to look into, to see how their learning is actually taking place and how they're currently controlling and monitoring their learning. And by shaping that awareness, We really want to make them aware of the importance, but also of their current strategy use, and then try to teach them new strategies and new ways to monitor and control their learning. We do that by giving them the dashboards, but also by giving them more agency while they are learning. So giving them more room to make choices, to make good choices, helping them in making good choices, and in that way, actually reducing the amount of agency or control that the learning systems are giving 
and actually allowing students to work on their own agency and develop that in line with their actual skills at that point in time. So this is really a new way of using AI, not so much to help them learn quickly, but also to help them develop these new skills that they really need in order to be effective learners over time. Inge mentioned motivation, which is something that I am particularly interested in, and how AI teaching support can help the learners assess and manage their own motivation over time. You can do something quite similarly with motivation, where you say, okay, we're going to try and model how students are motivated. I wanted to know more about the role of teachers And Inge explains that her research team works closely with teachers when developing new models and systems. Yeah, the role of teachers is very important. We try to start from a question that teachers already have. So in fact, with the work on self-regulation, teachers really asked us, how can we work on these self-regulatory skills? How can we develop them in children? And how can we make sure that we're developing them over time in a profound manner? We consult also with the students themselves to really ask them, what do you see here? What does this mean for you? And does it actually convey the message that we're trying to give you? So in that sense, we always work very closely in co-creation with the teachers and the students that are actually working with our systems. I love the fact that Inge's research responds directly to teachers' concerns and that teachers have been involved from the beginning in the development of new AI models. As I said in the past episode, while preparing these episodes, I talked to teachers from varied contexts. I listened to concerns about the safe use of AI, about developing a critical awareness to how these models can be useful and how to take control. AI is uh, the new support for teachers, students, and I think that it's going to go a long way, but uh, at the same time, since it's providing information from multiple resources around the world that it finds, you cannot rely on it completely. Obviously, when AI comes into the loop, it takes over tasks from the teacher, which also means that teachers lose autonomy over their teaching and the way that they're approaching their students. There are different levels there, and it's really important to think about at which level you're comfortable using an artificial intelligence for certain tasks and which tasks and activities you really want to perform yourself as a teacher. I think that's a dialogue we only just recently started, thinking very carefully about the different levels of control. That's also related to one of the models that I created to really help teachers think about the level of control they are giving over to the artificial intelligence and what that means for their own teaching. Having the discussion with teachers and with students about what are the type of data that they are willing to share, that students feel comfortable with sharing with their teachers, sharing with the system, and how that type of autonomy over your own data and privacy issues can be maintained while we are developing solutions like this. This is a dialogue that, at least here in the Netherlands, we, we do in the National AI and Education Center together with schools, but also together with companies that are developing the ad tech and with scientists to really see what does that mean and how can we do this in a very careful and responsible manner. We travel to Sweden, where we find Yvette, a teacher whom I have been wanting to talk to for some time as I follow with interest her personal commitment to her students' progress and innovation in education, driven by the question, what does it mean to be human in a global age of technology? Yeah, yeah. Are we recording now? 
Yvette welcomes me in the International School in Helsingborg, a beautiful coastal area in Sweden where Yvette teaches and also spends much time biking and enjoying nature. I'm passionate in a lot of areas, but the key sentence for me that I have also done a lot of research the previous, I think, four years now is, what does it mean to be human in a global age of technology? Because then you have the humanity and then you have technology and that space where it merge those two things. And in combination, that's what I'm, I'm super interested in that. Teachers, first of all, you and I were chatting a little bit before here, but first of all, lots of teachers are stressed out, has too much admin to do. And then here comes ChatGPT, something that is sort of revolutionary. So I think that in schools, a practical tool could be that you create small, like during meeting time, small groups and see how you can use it, how you can make uh, teacher life a little bit easier. It needs to be actually happening because otherwise teacher life is just so busy. Like I was just looking at my schedule and looking at my planning time. I teach 17 hours per week. And then in between I have my planning time. But at the end of the day, our, our time is eaten up by a lot of things. And then you want to be there for the students and things always happen in the teacher life. It comes down to like time and what, what am I as a teacher going to put my energy and focus on? Yvette mentions that she's already using ChatGPT for her teaching work. If you add that to the procedure when we work, imagine if you're working in an innovation unit at work and you're also using ChatGPT. I've been creating my unit with the help of ChatGPT. My gosh, I have had some really, really nice unit descriptors that I, of course, changed because some, let's say I get one paragraph from ChatGPT. And then I get maybe two words. I'm thinking, wow, those were really good words. I'm going to add that. It's like a, like a brainstorm friend. Yvette is trying to build a fruitful dialogue with her students about the level of control they are giving to artificial intelligence and what it means to both teaching and learning. We are looking into the communication model with the sender, receiver, medium and all that. But the layer that I added now is AI. What is it that we see? What is it that we hear? What is reality? Is reality changing? What is digital? What is analog? I started with a lot of provocations with pictures, with films. It's so new. So young people, they want to experiment with things and see what they can get out of it. And they are not scared. They are just pushing limits. They are just pushing, they, they're just trying and see how you can use it. There are so many possibilities. Last year, I also did uh, Socratic seminars with them in connection with literature. And I'm thinking of adding that to discussions about AI now, because it will fit so well. They are smart, because we are also, of course, talking about the elephant in the room, like in schools, like, is this cheating? Where does the line go? And also, so, and then they came up with a super easy definition. They said that if I'm taking something from ChatGPT, I'm just going to quote it and put it as a source. So we started to play with that when, when we didn't have any clearer directions. So then we said, use it as a source. And so that's how we started to play with it, actually. We are in the phase of learning, so we are learning together with them and we are learning together as teachers, as a school. We thank Yvette for her insights. And as we leave Sweden, let's conclude the episode with one recommendation by Inge Molenar. She summarizes the importance of 
a human-centered approach to using technology in education. What are good decisions? How do we want to go forward with this? And what does this really mean for our teaching and learning every day in the classroom? I would encourage everybody to really have that dialogue on a continuous manner because things are changing so fast. It's really important to carefully wait together, discussing what are we educating for and what are important skills that students should develop in this decade and in the decades to come. We really see that this discussion is coming to the forefront also in, in schools and in educational institutions. And I think that is really a win here because we're really carefully contemplating on what it is we want students to learn and how we can best help them to develop those skills. Let's hear to Inge's description of what an ideal classroom would look like in the AI era. I would not envision every student behind a tablet computer sitting in their own learning process, but really seeing rich learning environments in which artificial intelligence isn't even visible. It's just playing a role in optimizing these processes. So that to me would be an ideal classroom of the future where we really have this augmentation perspective of supporting learning and teaching with artificial intelligence and really finding a good balance between what humans do. This really aligns with the idea of hybrid intelligence where we really try to connect artificial intelligence and human intelligence in a way that they really reinforce each other. As we leave Inge, Cecilia, Sarkesh and Yvette, we encourage listeners to follow the developments of the National AI Education Center of the Netherlands particularly on research about responsive use of AI in education. The center is trying to translate scientific research into information that can be easily digested and actionable by teachers. Inge also shares some guidelines for teachers created by international governmental organizations like UNESCO or the EU. Focusing on what teachers should know and which questions teachers should ask when starting to use artificial intelligence in their classrooms. Guidelines can really help all the actors, policymakers, the governments, but also the teachers, the school boards, the students and the parents to think carefully about these questions. In the first episode of this series, talking about building communities for environmental care, I had interviewed Stefania Giannini, who told us about UNESCO's Greening Partnership. Interestingly, Stefania highlighted how critical discussions about human-centered uses of technology in education is tightly linked to education's role in facing environmental challenges. If we address seriously the digital transition and having technology at the service of learners and teachers and not the other way around, if we call head tech big companies to co-sign this agreement, this chart of values, including extreme production of consume, consumption, energy, and being energy intensive, I think we move to the right direction. And that's what UNESCO is advocating for, and that's what UNESCO is putting also in practice. I think it's important to highlight the fact that we need to talk more about artificial intelligence. We need to take more about our role as humans and we need to talk more and discuss more with children and young people about how do we want to use things. Who is in the driver's seat? Is it the machine? 
Is it our laziness or do we really want to take control of how we move around the world, how we own our learning processes? What do we want to use it for? Also, I think we, we need to think, we need to talk and mainly reflect critically on how can we include everyone in the use of artificial intelligence tools and systems and what is the connection between artificial intelligence and art? What is the connection of artificial intelligence and environmental impact? What is the connection of artificial intelligence and the digital gap and access to people who don't have internet access? All these conversations we should have, in addition to, of course, conversations about security of data and our own agency. All these are conversations that need to happen in the classroom between teachers, between children, with students, and also involving families in the process. I hope you have enjoyed this episode of Teachers' Voices, made in partnership with Bolt and the support of Sarah Miles and StoryThings. For a more in-depth exploration of the latest insights in educational AI, be sure to tune in to the thought-provoking discussions Libby Hills and Owen Henkel are having with leading AI experts on their new podcast at Technical. Find further details in our show notes. You can find more about Nolai's research and our guests in the show notes. Don't miss the coming episode with tips and resources about artificial intelligence for educators. Please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and help us spread the word. We are also really looking forward to hearing about your ideas and insights, and you can engage with me and the guests in this podcast through social media and our new WhatsApp group. There is an invitation for you to contribute right here in the show notes.